Welcome to Overlooked, a podcast produced by Tunuka Media. My name is Yemi, and I'll be your host for the show. Released weekly, I share Overlooked stories from around the world with you. This will include the good, the bad, the weird, and sometimes the absolutely hilarious. Come back often, share with your friends, and feel free to add the podcast to your regular podcast rotation, wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect on social media. Just search for Tunuka Media. That is T-U-N-U-K-A Media. If you learned something new, kindly support the show. Give Overlooked a like or a high rating. This would really help the show grow and get more people like you to learn something new. Finally, if you come across stories or articles that you think should be featured here, please don't hesitate to share them. Now, it's time for this week's episode. Hello there, folks, and welcome to another episode of Overlooked. This week, I'm going to take you through several stories, and we've got a lot to get through. So, let's get started. In Japan, torrential rains have hit the southern part of the country last Saturday on June the 3rd. A heavy rainfall has led to serious flooding centered in the Kumamoto and Kagoshima prefectures where the Kuma River overflowed in at least 10 places. Several people are now missing and some are presumed to have passed away. Pictures show severe flooding in residential areas that have now caused mudslides and knocked over power for thousands of people. The Japanese authorities have ordered more than 200,000 people to evacuate and 100,000 soldiers are being sent in to help the rescuers. Japan's meteorological agency has said that such rainfall has never been seen before in the region and they also now predict that the heavy rain will continue overnight into Sunday and through to Wednesday this week. As you go about your week, kindly take some time to say a little prayer for the people impacted in Japan. Now we're heading over to Botswana where hundreds of elephants have died mysteriously in the famed Okanvango Delta. Poaching has been ruled out as the tusks of the elephants were found intact. The government has now said that they are investigating these mysterious deaths. Botswana has the world's largest elephant population, estimated at 130,000. The delta alone is home to an estimated 15,000 elephants, and it is also estimated that there are 400,000 elephants across the African continent. The Department of Wildlife and National Parks have said that they are mobilizing human personnel and aircraft to better understand the situation. Samples have been collected for analysis in labs located in South Africa, Zimbabwe, and in Canada. This appears to have been happening for some months. In fact, similar deaths were first reported in May when authorities found 12 carcasses in just a week in two villages in the northwest of Botswana. The latest discoveries were flagged by a wildlife conservation charity, Elephants Without Borders, or EWB, whose confidential report referring to the 356 dead elephants was leaked to the media. The EWB has also said that several live elephants appeared weak, lethargic, and emaciated. These deaths have come at a very difficult time. In fact, charities and conservation efforts have been hit hard by limited resources and funding cuts. 
So if you would like to support, check out Elephant Without Borders, as well as reach out to the Department of Wildlife and National Parks to see how you can help. Our next story takes us to Europe, where Italian police have now seized 14 tons of amphetamine pills allegedly produced in Syria by the Islamic State of Iraq and the Levant, otherwise known as ISIL or ISIS. The pills were allegedly to fund terrorist activities and destined for Europe's illegal drug market. Italian investigators impounded three suspicious container ships that had docked in the southern Italian port of Salnero and found 84 million tablets of the drug Captagon inside machinery and large paper cylinders marked for industrial use. The drugs are worth about 1 billion euros or 1.12 billion US dollars. According to the finance police of Naples, this is now the largest seizure of amphetamines in the world. Captagon, a brand name, was originally used in the 1960s to treat narcolepsy and depression. It is one of several brand names for phenethylene hydrochloride, a drug compound belonging to a family of amphetamines that can inhibit fear and ward off tiredness. Custom police noted in a statement that Captagon is reputed to be used by ISIL fighters to inhibit fear and pain. Two weeks ago, also in the same port, Police seized a container sent from Syria that was hiding 2,800 kilos or 6,200 pounds of hashish and over a million amphetamine pills bearing the same symbol as those that were intercepted this Wednesday. There has been another disaster in one of Myanmar's notoriously dangerous jade mines. This week, a hillside collapsed following heavy monsoon rains. An unknown number of people are now feared missing with current estimates pegged at about 160. This collapse is now broadly considered to be the worst one in a series of deadly disasters at such sites. Critics have blamed this on the government's failure to take action against unsafe conditions. Mines are generally excavated by heavy machinery, and after the initial processing, the leftover debris, which includes sand, stone, and so forth, are then dumped by a large tipper truck down a hillside. Thousands of freelance miners then scavenge for bits of jade in the rubble. This can then be traded for food or money. These freelancers usually work and live in abandoned mining pits at the base of the Mount of Earth, which become particularly unstable during the rainy season. They are also typically unregistered from other areas in Myanmar, which make it very challenging to determine exactly how many people have been impacted. For those like myself who are unaware, Myanmar actually holds the largest jade mines in the world, and they are found in the restive states of Kachin. The jadeite deposits found in these northern regions are the highest quality jadeite, a variety of jade that exists in the world today. They are considered precious by sources in China, which go as far back as the 10th century. Today, it is estimated that Myanmar is the origin of upwards of 70% of the world's supply of high-quality jadeite. In fact, the industry has been estimated to be valued at a staggering 31 billion US dollars every single year. In response to the disaster that recently happened, the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres expressed deep sadness at the deaths and sent condolences to the families of the victims and Myanmar's government and people. 
Social activists have complained that the profitability of jade mining has led businesses and the government to neglect enforcement of already very weak regulations in the jade mining industry. Until I came across this story, I was not aware that jade was primarily sourced from Myanmar. I'm not sure about you guys. Now just looking at videos of the mines, it looks exceedingly and abundantly dangerous. These people are just hustling to feed their families, so I completely respect that. But at the same time, there should be regulations for safety to avoid such disasters. One thing that came to mind for me, for example, was that it seems really dangerous that these independent miners live at the bottom of massive sand dunes. Stopping that alone might be a step in a more safer direction. What do you guys think? Hopping over to the United States, scientists at the UCLA have developed a glove that translates sign language into speech in real time. They claim that it will potentially allow deaf people to communicate directly with anyone without the need for a translator. The wearable device contains sensors that run along the four fingers and the thumb to identify each word, phrase, or letter as it is made in the American Sign Language or ESL. The researchers also added adhesive sensors to the faces of the people used to test the device to capture facial expressions as part of the ASL program training. These signals are then sent wirelessly to a smartphone, which translates them into spoken words at a rate of one word per second. The innovation was criticized by some in the deaf community, who argued that it was unnecessary and it did not address the concerns of those who signed. One such criticism came from Gabriel Hodge, a deaf postdoctoral researcher from the Deafness, Cognition and Language Research Center at the University College London. Gabriel Hodge says that the technology is redundant because deaf signers already make extensive use of text-to-speech or text translation software on their phones, or simply just write with a pen and paper, or even gesture clearly. The technology or similar inventions like hand glove tend to pigeonhole deaf people and put the communication burden on the deaf community. It was insightful for me to read a lot of the comments under the story, particularly on Reddit. The comments primarily criticized this and similar inventions, which I honestly did not expect. The concerns were very well aligned with those raised by Gabriel, which some added insights that I think are worth sharing here. The first issue is that ASL is more than just hand gestures, there's body posture, movement, facial expressions, and so much more. Second, and more interestingly, this and similar gloves can only be programmed to recognize one word per hand shape. However, there are dozens of words for every hand shape depending on the position relative to the body and movement. For example, one of the commenters says that there are over for example, one of the commenters says that there are over 30 different words just with an open palm alone. For example, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, and so much more. The general sentiment is that these gloves are more harmful than helpful, which was really unexpected for me. Switching the burden of communicating on the deaf community. I must confess that when I came across the story, I added it as an uplifting development in science and tech, and it sounded really cool, honestly. But as I dug in, it took a really different turn and really opened up my mind to the challenges that different uh, communities in our society face. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that 
I would personally just rather type on my phone or write on paper than wear an uncomfortable glove all day just to communicate with someone else. So I totally get where Gabriel and others in the deaf community are coming from. One question I do have though is whether the scientists actually engaged with the deaf community to understand what the needs were. I really didn't find a single positive comment from anyone in the deaf community, which tells me that it may have been done without some due consultation. Oh well, this took a different turn, but that is part of the process, right? That's why we're here to learn and expand our knowledge. So what do you guys think? Let me know in the comments. And to round us out this week, I am going to throw in some stuff I learned. So I'll leave you with this. Did you know that most coconuts are picked by trained monkeys and they are considered very key to the Asian coconut industry? Thailand has been raising and training pigtailed marquees to pick coconuts for around 400 years. Coconut farmers in Sri Lanka, Malaysia, India, and other countries also sometimes rely on monkeys. It turns out that male monkeys can collect an average of 1,600 coconuts per day, and a female can get 600, while a human can only collect about 80 per day. It is also safer for a height-savvy monkey to pluck and drop the fruit from a tree which might be up to 80 feet tall than a human standing under there with a stick and poking, according to the National Primate Research Center at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. I did find some debates on how ethical this practice is. In fact, PETA has called for a boycott of coconut products from these monkeys' sites. Others say that working monkeys of Thailand have many similarities to industrial counterparts around the animal world. Think of oxen plowing your fields, sheepdogs herding livestock, rottweilers guarding houses, or beagles sniffing for drugs in airports. They say it's essentially the same thing. Anyway, I thought this was a really interesting story and a nice way to round out this week. So hope you enjoyed the episode and have yourselves a fantastic week ahead. friends as a reminder the podcast is released weekly subscribe or follow across social media to be notified when a new episode is released overlooked is a tunuka media production which also includes shows like africa in my kitchen with more on the way follow tunuka media on instagram youtube facebook and twitter to connect to say hi or to be on the forefront of upcoming shows and program schedules until next time i'm your host yemi Wishing you a better tomorrow.